Have you heard of Anchor? It's free and it's so easy. If I can figure it out, pretty much anyone can. Create your own podcast from your phone or any device and they will distribute it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms on your behalf without you having to do a thing. You can also make money without any minimum listenership or any required audience. Anchor is super easy to use, and all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Start your own podcast today. Welcome to Your Highness Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Crash, and I'm here today with our resident beauty expert, Barb Stender. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so, this is the beginning of season three, and we have some big changes coming up. Some of those changes include the way we're doing reviews. We're going to be offering a lot of different types of content, um, including some different beauty reviews, and um, those are going to take some different forms, like maybe some short videos and, and things like that. So um, if you're a brand out there that has a beauty or wellness line, please do send us um, your products if you'd like them to be featured. So if you want to know more information about that, you can um, email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com, and we'll have that in the show note. Anyway, one of the other changes that we'll be having in the new season is that I will be co-hosting with guests throughout the season. So basically, I'll just have a variety of guest co-hosts um, and just me. And one of those guests will be Barb Stender, our Beauty with Barb expert. Um, Barb does our Beauty with Barb segment, and she will have one on this episode uh, where she's going to talk about... Um, these lovely products that we received from Zaveda. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, this is a project that comes from our friend Joanne Matson, who has been on a previous episode, and she's the founder of Canaveda. These products are a line of Ayurvedic CBD uh, wellness product. Barb, you want to talk about couple of things that you're going to be talking about in your segment yeah um i want to talk about the oil that i got to review the body oil um that was great i have some skin problems on my body and post shower you apply this oil and i want to go over that review and some of the ingredients awesome looking forward to that and then i think you have a, a tincture um, that you're also going to be including. Yes, can't forget about that. And I'll be reviewing the products that I was able to test out um, over Instagram and Twitter and other forms of social media. And you'll probably hear more about it in a future episode as well. Um, but right now I'm really loving this Zwish. It's called Z-W-I-S-H. It's the Ayurvedic Mouth Pulling Oil. And it moisturizes your mouth and cleanses and refreshes. And it has some really excellent ingredients like peppermint, clove essential oils, fennel, sesame oil. And it just really feels great. I love it. Anyway, so we're going to be doing things a little bit differently over the summer. And we'll be releasing basically just the interviews with short segments in the beginning. Uh, we're taking a little bit of a break, but you'll still be hearing from us, and we will still be releasing short episodes 
And then later in the summer, we'll have some longer ones. We'll be returning a, a little bit to our original, back to our original format. And um, again, we'll be doing guest co-host. So if you'd like to maybe be uh, featured as a guest co-host in the future, please do reach out. Um, we have a pretty interesting lineup already, but we're still taking uh, suggestions. So yeah, it's going to be so much fun. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm so excited. <laughs> well, that's good. So until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Next up is our segment, Beauty with Barb, featuring our resident licensed esthetician who explores all things hemp and beauty related. Hey, everybody. Hope everyone is having an awesome week. I'm here to go over Zveda's product reviews. I wanted to start with the body oil. Body oil post a shower or bath is the best time to apply. When our bodies are wet, applying moisture to it is the best time for our bodies to absorb the ingredients. The key ingredients being licorice, great for anti-aging, lavender, wonderful for soothing and relaxation, and sesame oil, which helps produce collagen. Woo-woo, younger skin. And last but not least, CBD, which if you have been listening to me speak before on this podcast, is simply amazing for the skin. Next, let's talk about the tincture. I personally put one drop in a glass of water and just shot it back. The internal benefits from tinctures are endless, but helping with my digestive is my favorite benefit. That's going to wrap up my reviews with Zeta's products. As a weekly reminder for all my summer listeners, be sure to add a SPF and plenty of water intake to your skincare routine. Thanks for listening, guys. And if there's any CBD product you'd like me to review, please feel free to message me on Instagram. My handle is at beauty with Barb. That's beauty, W-T-H, Barb. Enjoy your day. Thanks for listening. You keep your wine in a wine cooler, liquor in a bar, and cigars in a humidor. So why would you keep high-end cannabis in a shoebox under your bed? Apothecary is a purveyor of luxury cannabis accoutrement providing high style and high quality goods designed with the cannabis connoisseur in mind. Pro tip, did you know without humidity, herb can mold or dry out and lose trichomes, weakening the potency and quality? Our premier product fixes all that. The apothecary case is a sleek and sexy storage solution that offers freshness, safety, style, and convenience in one beautiful case. We feature secure lock humidity controlled glass jar selection, three chamber grinders, and all the tools and storage you need. Learn more at www.theapothecarycase.com. That's www.theapothecarycase.com. Our guest in this episode is Clarissa Creek. Clarissa is NCIA's business development manager focused on engaging sponsoring members in order to support the growth of the organization and our industry. Prior to joining the cannabis movement in 2011, Clarissa worked for over a decade in nonprofit management with a focus on cross-cultural, bilingual education and training. Clarissa holds a BA in business administration and a master's in nonprofit management. So, Clarissa, tell me, I mean, you're from Brazil. You were born and raised in Brazil, which is so exciting. One of my favorite countries that I want to visit. What led you to a career in cannabis? Were you doing, were you using cannabis in Brazil? No, I actually been in Denver for more than half of my adult life, but 
on April 11, 2011, which is coincidentally my eighth anniversary tomorrow, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And this really changed my life. So the medication prescribed to me to address the chemotherapy side effects was just simply not working. Um, you know, I could not eat, sleep, relax, much less heal from the incisive um, conventional treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a Colorado resident, I immediately got my medical cannabis card and began taking edibles, which was literally a miracle solution to all of my problems. Uh, it was unbelievable at the time. Um, I, it, it was so effective. And at the time, I had been married for nearly 17 years. Uh, my ex-husband uh, worked for the federal government, and we went through one of those regular clearance and background checks at the time. And the government at the time labeled me a cannabis addict and did not oh. give me clearance um, that year. Oh yeah. So I, uh, I mean, of course, that changed my life in so many ways, and I had to do a lot of soul searching. Uh, and at that time, I uh, ended up getting a divorce and moved back to Colorado um, and decided to join the industry, not only as a professional, but also as an activist and patient uh, that I am in um, help in any way I could to fight back and demand my right to medicinal cannabis. Oh, that's amazing. And and did you find you had supportive doctors who were, who were okay with you using cannabis? That's such a good question. I did not. This was back in 2011 once again, and sadly not that much has changed, but uh, my medical team was very much so opposed to this, and and I really had to then educate myself quite heavily, not just uh, on... Uh, general knowledge about the cannabis plant and its applications, but also in some very in-depth research studies that I could bring to them to argue Mm -hmm. that this was indeed helping me to recover and it was not to the detriment of my recovery. Wow. That must have been really hard because especially back then there was even less research available to you, even though I'm sure you knew it worked really well. Correct. There was much less uh, uh, availability of research as well as a conversation. You know, these days, I mean, there are a lot of conversations happening, even in mainstream media about cannabis as a medicinal therapeutic agent. But at the time, uh, this was even before Colorado uh, uh, voted on Amendment 64 to pass Mm -hmm. adult use out here. So it was definitely a, a much bigger taboo at the time. Wow. That's, gosh, to add to everything, you're going through cancer and then you can't even talk to your doctors about something that works. That just must have been so frustrating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were definitely against it. So, and, and it wasn't just my oncologist, it was also my psychologist and my chiropractor and everyone around me, including my family. I had to educate them quite a bit for them to accept this. And now they're very supportive, but it took me a little bit of uh, of, of convincing for sure. Oh yeah, because of that stigma that comes with it. Mm-hmm. So, so that so that must have led you to your first job in cannabis, right? Correct. You know, here you are, you got this plant, and so what was your first job? Yeah, my first job in the cannabis industry was with a lovely company out of Boulder called Bluebird Botanicals. They provide uh, or produce, I should say. Um, hemp oils, hemp-derived CBD oils. Um, And I sold uh, CBD hemp oils for two years, as well as I did quite a bit of marketing in the sense of educating our customers about the product because it was also new. Um, So I did quite a bit of customer service as well around uh, product education. 
Wow. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you went on to work for Normal, right? Actually, Normal was a volunteer position of mine. After I, I left uh, Bluebird Botanicals, I joined the Indo Expo trade show for a couple years. Ah. Yeah, I did marketing and uh, sponsorship management for them. Um, we, uh, at the time, had two very established shows, one in Denver, one in Portland, Oregon. And that was just such a lovely experience to get into uh, the B2B aspect of the industry. And specifically, I had wanted, after having had two really good years of experience with hemp CBD oils uh, or hemp CBD in general, I was uh, very excited to uh, learn and immerse myself a bit more into the high THC cannabis space. Um, and that mm -hmm. was a really good opportunity to do that. Oh, wow. That mm -hmm. must have been really interesting. I'm in Portland, Oregon. So uh -huh. I love Indo Expo for that, for that B2B. So next time, um, well, you probably don't come out anymore, right? You don't work for them. So you probably don't have any need to come out to Portland. I don't, anymore. but I'm actually going to be in Portland for the upcoming Cultivation Classic. So I would love to, to come and hang out. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, so now you're the director of business development for the NCIA. And what, what does that entail? And can you just kind of talk a little bit about um, NCIA for our listeners who don't know that organization? Mm -hmm. uh, the NCIA uh, is the National Cannabis Industry Association. And we are a nonprofit which uh, is mostly focused on lobbying efforts in the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., to advance some of the federal issues uh, that still impact our industry and our patients very heavily. Namely, we're talking here about uh, access to banking services, mm -hmm. as well as uh, some very unfair taxation, um, which is well known as the two- 80E uh, IRS code, a part of the IRS code, which uh, does not allow for our industry to deduct any expenses um, at all, which as some, you know, for some of our uh, member companies uh, translates to a nearly 70% taxation bracket. So it makes it very difficult to thrive. So we work very hard to then make change at the federal level, although we're seeing a domino effect of state after state following suit uh, in terms of other pioneer states like Colorado and Oregon and Washington and Michigan, uh, we still have quite a bit of ground to cover and we have to keep our eyes on the prize so that we make this industry um, able to reach its full potential. Wow, that's amazing. And I know that these lobbying days that you do through NCIA, they're, they're really important to effectuate change, right? That is correct. Uh, we underestimate uh, the power of citizens like myself and you and all of us really showing up um, on the Hill and expressing to our representatives uh, and senators uh, in a, a government at large the importance of, uh, of this industry, not only from the perspective of job creation uh, and, and tax revenue, but also from the perspective of access to medicinal cannabis for so many patients that need it. Uh, so it is a, a unique opportunity to tell our stories and advocate for federal reforms, much needed uh, for, again, the industry to reach its potential. Oh, definitely. And I know, you know, the banking is huge. I don't even touch the plant mm -hmm. and um, I have banking issues just because my customers, uh, you know, mm -hmm. 
have drug money. So yeah, this is just such an important thing. So how can people get involved with lobbying? Yeah. So again, and you're right, you did mention normal as another um, uh, entity that uh, engages in lobbying. Uh, normal mainly focuses on the consumer end of things. So speaking on behalf of consumers, whereas the NCIA focuses more on speaking on behalf of the industry. So those are very similar avenues, but not necessarily the same. So when you look at lobby days through NCIA, most of the people engaged with us in going to DC and lobbying along uh, the NCIA are going to be business owners or people like your clients. They have businesses mm-hmm. in, the, in the industry. If an individual say anyone concerned citizen or patient that is not a business owner in the cannabis space would like to lobby, they are more than welcome to do that through normal uh, and and join uh, consumers in that effort. Normally what it takes is really getting involved at the local level. Um, That's how I got involved with Never Normal. I started volunteering and became a board member and was a board member for a couple of years and did go to uh, DC a couple of times to lobby on behalf of, of of consumers. And now that I have joined the NCIA, as you said, as a business development uh, officer, I'm able to do that on behalf of the industry. Uh, And my role simply consists of creating business opportunities to NCIA members, uh, which then directly impacts the industry at large. So it's sort of the concept of power in numbers, right? The, the, The bigger we are and the more we work together, uh, the more we succeed. Uh, um, so I connect member businesses to one another in terms of creating business opportunities. I also support their efforts to create new business activity in their respective home states because we have a patchwork of different regulatory frameworks going on. Uh, so it does impact that quite a bit. And ultimately what I do is I secure sponsorships for NCIA events, which enables us to have a very sound, sustainable fundraising model model as a nonprofit going against the biggest lobbying industries out there, such as alcohol and tobacco. Um, uh, And, you know, while navigating a sea of limitations and constraints, uh, my role allows for paid marketing and brand exposure for these companies, which, as you well know, is not possible otherwise due to federal prohibition. Uh, and it's the same work you do here, which is really important. Um, and then uh, the industry can also count on NCIA to be their voice, really, uh, in, in Washington, D.C., and mainly to defend and protect state laws, as well as to advance federal policy reforms. And like we were talking about banking and taxation being sort of the sore spots uh, at this time. Um, and, you know, as the industry grows, we grow with it. So we're certainly serving nearly 2000 member businesses and we definitely represent tens of thousands of cannabis professionals from coast to coast and internationally. So it's really a, an amazing uh, opportunity to be a part of this growing industry. Yeah, we are an NCIA a member. And Uh one of the benefits that I love are the BDS reports, the report, the statistics reports, you Uh know, what's happening in each state and the percentages of all the different um, products being sold. So it's such a great um, benefit. And there's other benefits too, like Uh for, you have three different membership levels at NCIA. That's correct. We have basic uh, sustaining, sponsoring and sustaining. Uh, and you are correct. Uh, you know, we did have so many years of prohibition that then literally did not allow for us to collect consumer data. 
to use mm-hmm. for marketing purposes. So BDS, uh, as a member a benefit um, uh, through their platform, Green Edge, gives the industry a, uh, an amazing opportunity to get a better picture and get away from the stigma of what a cannabis consumer looks like. Um, and we know today that the average uh, consumer of cannabis in this country is a 41-year-old woman looking for therapeutic solutions. Uh, and that is mm-hmm. not something that you think of uh, you know, right away, but it's definitely something that uh, we have learned more and more through benefits like uh, the BDS uh, data that's offered. And we also have quite a few other benefits. It is important for our industry members to connect on a B2B uh, level mm-hmm. as, as they're looking at now multi-state operations um, and again a very complex regulatory quilt I like to call it uh, uh, <laughs> uh, they, they really appreciate the opportunity to get plugged in into different markets and be connected to the right partners in order to um, plan their businesses and, 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 and organize their supply chains and all of that good stuff. And in addition, you know, being an NCI member, uh, one is able to attend quite a few events. Uh, and those are, we have about 35 events this year that we're um, organizing throughout all of the regulated markets and three annual trade shows, one in Boston that we just had in February and two in in uh, California, one in San Jose, one in Long Beach, uh, this uh, second half of the year. So it's it's mm-hmm. definitely a very exciting uh, uh, organization to be a part of, both as a member and as a staffer. Oh, no, definitely. I went to the um, conference in San Jose uh, this last summer, and um, it was so great because Steve D'Angelo was there. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny. He was going to talk at this little booth, and nobody even knew he was there. And so I got to spend a lot of time with him and meet mm-hmm. him and talk to him. And it was a great event. And so really grateful to NCIA for that. So so you're working for NCIA. You used to, now, do you still volunteer for with Normal? I, at this time, I'm not volunteering for normal because I have become more involved with the city of Denver diversity and equity efforts. But for the last three mm-hmm. or four years, I was a pretty active volunteer uh, with them. It was such an education in civic engagement and activism. Uh, I was so fortunate to sit on the board of the most diverse and active chapter in the country of Denver mm-hmm. Normal and uh, to canvas on behalf uh, of social use um, and the initiative that at the time was called Responsible Use Denver. Um, Mm -hmm. This meant talking to voters uh, who otherwise would not support the industry and the movement. Uh, And it taught me so much about just the need to stay focused despite of distractions and pushback um, from skeptics um, about this industry being serious or not. And we know today through the work of NCIA and through the work of the industry itself that we have built a responsible a legitimate regulated market. Uh, and that's really mm-hmm. outstanding uh, to be able to have done that. And we also know, uh, you know, that today uh, the, the, the people have made their voice clear. We know through normal statistics that 68% of Americans support full legalization, and that includes medical and adult use. So uh, it's trained me, and the normal school trained me to... Uh, uh, to join the NCIA team at, at, at the business level. 
Oh, that's it. You know, and that's great advice for our listeners. It's like get involved in your local chapter of normal, or if you don't have one in your legal state, find another organization that is pro and get, get involved early on. And then you can have the experience that you had, you know, where maybe you become a board member. And I think that's so amazing. You kind of touched on this and I, I'd like to jump in really fast. So you said that you're now working with the city of Denver's mm-hmm. expungement and equity um, program. What mm-hmm. does that entail? Yeah. So out here in Colorado, we we were the pioneers uh, in terms of passing um, uh, language around uh, adult use. So we had to make a lot of mistakes, right? And we really didn't have any precedent or anyone to learn from. So one of the mistakes that we've made that we're trying to catch up on is the uh, ability to support and uh, make right all of the wrongs done by the war on drugs and prohibition throughout time. So as a community volunteer, I sit on a committee with several other community leaders in Denver. These are patients, business owners, lawyers, educators, activists, mothers, um, and other concerned citizens who believe that we must act to help and support the good people disproportionately affected by the war on drugs. So Denver mm-hmm. is a very vibrant mic- my, uh, marketplace, but has not done such a great job of undoing these wrongs. And uh, a good friend of mine in Michigan said this week that we have done such a great job freeing the, the cannabis. Now we have to free the people. Uh, right. And that's really what that's about. And it's really unfortunate because the fact that people with cannabis related convictions serve time is terrible enough when we're all making money out of it. But mm-hmm. the fact that they are banned from joining uh, the formal industry due to their convictions is truly appalling to, to me. So that that's where I put my volunteer or free time a lot these days is 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 trying to help this group advance this cause of expungement and record sealing and also uh, equity in the industry that's such an amazing cause and so needed not only in colorado but in other states as well and it's so great to hear that this is happening and so are you having a lot of um uh, success with the progress of getting people's uh, records expunged? That's such a good question. You know, I think we've done a superb job within our limitations. We have hosted six clinics where people have come through and uh, taken advantage of, of course, free legal support um, and free um, uh, access to, to these services. And of course, there's no cost to them to get their records sealed. Um, the challenge is that Colorado has a very interesting law that does not allow for mass record sealing, like say cities like San Francisco did. Right, right. Yeah, we require that the person affected or the person with a conviction must show in person in court to demand that or to request that. And there are a lot of trust issues uh, with mm-hmm. going into a city um, partition and putting yourself out there that way. So we are not seeing as many people as we like to see come through, but we have certainly sealed, I believe, was 50 uh, records in the past uh, couple months. So we, uh, we would like to see more of that happen, but unfortunately our hands are tied with that 
with that with that loss. So it's something that we are trying to see if there's ways that we can work around that. But unfortunately, it has slowed things down a bit for us here. But any progress is good progress, and it's so great to hear. And and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully now, if if our listeners are in Colorado and they wanted to volunteer, are you taking active volunteers for that program? That's a very good question. I know that they're not actively recruiting for the committee because that's an ongoing process that has been going on for a mm-hmm. while. But I personally always need volunteers. Uh, so the short answer is yes. I, we always need volunteers to help reach out uh, the community, um, visit community centers. Um, it's very helpful sometimes to be able to speak Spanish uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of our uh, constituents are going to be Spanish speaking, um, not in all cases, but in a lot of those cases. Uh, and that's um, that's something that was, is very helpful. And that's where I come in as a good asset or a great asset because I am able to speak Spanish and Portuguese. So just being able to be diverse, you know, yourself is mm-hmm. also like a bridge here. But it's not, of course, a requirement. Anyone can join and it will be very helpful uh, in terms of uh, helping us get the word out and, and, and show people that this is a very legitimate program um, that means no harm. To the contrary, it means to help. Yeah, well, and it, it maybe hopefully will encourage people in other states to do the same. So if people did want to um, find out more about this program, um, where could they where could they look this up? Is there a website address or a phone number? Yeah, I would say that the best way would be to contact the manager for this program. She, uh, coincidentally enough, happens to be from Brazil. Her, <laughs> her name is Bia, B-I-A, and her email is Bia, so that's spelled B-I-A dot Campbell, so that's spelled C-A-M-P-B. E-L-L at denvergov.org. And she works for the marijuana policy office. Nice. And so that's the City of Denver Expungement and Equity Program. Mm-hmm. So as if you aren't doing enough, you also have the Brazilian Society for Cannabis Research. What is that and what inspired the creation for that? Correct. Well, you know, there were quite a, there were quite a few factors. Um, first, it, for me, it was the absurd lack of access to this therapeutic plan in a country of 220 million people. Um, as mm-hmm. a patient, I, I never take for granted the access that I had to cannabis in Colorado. So it only seemed natural to me to fight for the right of other patients. Uh, and due to the federal prohibition of cannabis in the United States, other countries like Brazil follow suit. And laws have not advanced as they should have to meet that demand. Uh, On top Mm -hmm. of that, as you were saying earlier so wisely, my experience as a patient here taught me that doctors are completely clueless and fearful to prescribe cannabis. Um, And having identified both of these needs, uh, I joined forces with a few other pro-cannabis doctors in Brazil and activists down there to start this nonprofit. And our main goal, uh, we were founded about a year ago, and our main goal is to foment research, uh, educate doctors and healthcare professionals, and also to decriminalize cultivators who are Unfortunately, the ones that end up with um, the biggest uh, brunt of the liability when, um, uh, say, uh, cultivation is going on in somewhat of a gray area and always to serve 
patients, mostly children, uh, if there's any issues with the law, they end up taking all of the accountability, or I should say all of the liability is a better word for that. Um, and that's not something we are comfortable with because they're certainly not criminals. So it's a bigger effort to not just create a culture within the medical community uh, as well as more research, but to be able to grow this plant domestically. Because right now, aside for a couple, uh, I think it's 30 uh, judicial per, uh, uh, permissions that have been granted. Everyone that consumes cannabis in Brazil must import, and they can only import hemp-derived products, so no THC. No THC, yeah. Yeah, so that's, and that's pretty common uh, in other countries. So uh, we're trying to make sure that we allow for uh, cultivation in domestically, uh, and primarily because we realize that if you follow science, you'll know that a little bit of THC is also important sometimes. Um, right. So that's really the goal of, of that project. It's something very close to my heart, and they're making great strides, and I'm very proud to be a founding member. Oh, well, congratulations on that. So you have all of these things going. And I just have to ask you, how do you balance all of these roles? I mean, you're so busy. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, as you're talking, just going, oh, oh my gosh, you have so many irons in the fire. I mean, how do you balance this? Great question. Uh, it's definitely difficult. I, I have learned some tools along the way, and I, I owe that to many, many amazing mentors I have had. Um, because you're right, the work never stops. Um, and between my job and all of these other volunteer roles, um, I have very little downtime. And when I do, I make sure to practice yoga and meditation to keep myself centered. Uh, it helps me to reconnect once again with uh, what's important. Um, and I also practice daily gratitude Uh with my eyes on the prize always, uh, <laughs> which is a full descheduling of the cannabis plant in the U.S. and abroad. But ultimately, I I never take a day for granted because so many people would absolutely love to work in this industry and are not able to because a lot of times, uh, you know, whether it's a country or another state, they don't have an industry um that's legitimate for them to join so i i i take i take it um as a huge compliment uh, that i'm so busy but at the same time it's definitely important to keep my uh my health in check because of my history as a cancer patient as well oh definitely mm -hmm. definitely that's so important as a survivor of cancer yeah i have a great good friend who um had breast cancer and that's really it's yoga meditation i'm so happy to hear you that yeah. you say that because those are the top two and of course nutrition and mm -hmm. cannabis is right in there because it's Absolutely. a plant and it helps us heal mm -hmm. so really great advice so before we wrap up and thank you so much clarissa for all the time and all mm -hmm. the incredible information you're sharing do you have anything specific to promote or a call to action yeah always you know there's always calls to action <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah i you know again we are we are seeing um a lot of victories by our pioneer states um like Oregon and Colorado and Michigan and Washington, again, who have, been the, who have been able to enjoy the benefits of responsible regulated markets. But it's very important that we realize that we are not going to be able to reach uh, 
full uh, potential in this industry and complete freedom uh, and access to the plant until we achieve federal legalization and complete the scheduling of the cannabis plant. Um, it is our biggest battle yet, and the NCIA is definitely at the front lines of this fight. Uh, we work very hard to defend state laws and advance federal policy reforms, and we do this by engaging um, in lobbying, like we were talking about earlier. So I want mm-hmm. to invite all of the members of the industry listening today to join me and hundreds of other business professionals in Washington, D.C., between May 21st and 23rd for NCIA's lobby days so that we can convey to our government that the time has come to grant access to banking services to our industry, and that this will also make our communities far safer. Um, And that's a really big deal in a cash-only industry, as you know. Um, We Mm -hmm. are definitely in for the long haul at NCIA, and I feel very strongly that if we all, as an industry, continue to charge ahead and apply pressure and really demand our right to use cannabis, we will succeed. And and, in Lobby Days is the perfect opportunity to convey those stories. I cannot tell you how impactful it was when I was there with Denver Normal to convey to politicians my story as a patient with cannabis and my urgency and that of millions of other patients to change things now. I mean, life life doesn't win. Life is short. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's it's like we've had enough of we'll change that next year. I think the time has come. We are very confident the Safe Banking Act, which is the legislation we've been working on for years now, we've been spearheading this these efforts in, in D.C., has now 160 sponsors, which is an amazing, unprecedented amount of sponsors for any cannabis bill. So we're very positive and we're going to uh, get to the hill and, and demand that they do the right thing. Nice. Well, that is a great way to end. And I hope that our listeners are encouraged to become a part of that. And you can find out more information about the lobbying days on NCIA's website. And so what's their website, Clarissa? Their website is thecannabisindustry.org. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Clarissa, for all your time. We so appreciate you and appreciate all the efforts that you're making to change this industry. No, thank you. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Your Highness Podcast. If you would like to be featured in a future episode or would like to inquire about possible sponsorship, email yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. That's yourhighnesspodcast.com at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Highness Podcast. That's at Highness Podcast. Thanks again.